Welcome everybody to another episode of Warrior Cast. This is Mike Benz, and with me today is Daniel Sloan. Welcome, Daniel Mike. Sloan, to Warrior Cast. I'm excited to be here. Uh, oh, we, we're excited to have you. So uh, let me just tell everyone why we were having you uh, here. Uh, our partner uh, affiliate CWF is looking for high integrity leadership at the bleeding edge of emergent tech. And so part of their focus is crypto, uh, this crypto sphere, but outside of it is machine learning, AI, smart cities, blockchain used for, let's call the mega project. And so high integrity, big scale projects. Let's talk about the man, the boy that became the man rather, right? First, I want, I want people to see the evolution, right? Uh, like from it. the core. So take me from the core, the core, to where you are today and how people know you today, please. Absolutely. So um, right out of high school, joined the Marine Corps um, right before Desert Storm. Uh, that was a fast war, very good for everybody. Uh, afterwards, I got stationed in Hawaii, so not a bad duty station, um, but was, you know, in a place that was insanely expensive and, and military doesn't pay a lot. So I was always constantly side jobs working as a cook and started a little cab company. That was my first kind of business that I started and um, that was a lot of fun and um, got uh, once I got out uh, came back to the mainland what we call it continental U.S. and uh, uh, got lucky enough to uh, to get hired by a company that was willing to train me as a technical recruiter so it was like a, a, about 20 of us that started and about five of us after the end of three months that made it through they taught us everything about tech about how to be a recruiter and um yeah, I worked for that company for about a year and a half. It was an amazing company, learned a lot. And um, this was about 96 is when I ended up moving to Texas. And I met a, a couple consultants that were SAP consultants that had a little uh, small software company. They were trying to kind of ride that mass adoption of SAP. They had tons of contacts and companies that were asking to hire them. And they had... Yep. Had a couple of people try to try to launch that company with them and were just unsuccessful. And they're like, hey, you've you know this industry, you know that. Why don't you come in? So I came in as a as a co-founder of that, I ended up having to take a huge pay cut because I had like 40 people working for me at the company I was working for. So what you know, year was that? What's that? What year that was, was that around? 96. That was 96. So 96. I found, you know, founded uh InfoLink with these guys in 97. So I had to make a decision, like, okay. I've got 40 people working for me. I'm making commission off of these guys. Do I leave that nice money that I'm making every month to go take a salary job as a founder um, that I'm not going to make any commissions for a while? I got to build this company up. There was literally, you know, an office and in a stack full of business cards and, and leads to run up on. And uh, long story short, that was my first successful uh, entrepreneurial kind of exit, uh, sold, sold my shares to those guys. And because right about the time it was about 99 and, you know, uh, Y2K was kicking hard and, and I tons of people, um, that weren't SAP, um, Java was starting to become very, you know, prominent and, and companies were using it. So I wanted to diversify. They wanted to stay SAP and I'm like, okay, see you later, go do my own thing. Long story short, built multiple um, software staffing firms over the years. And then in 2016, um, I was getting super bored, you know, had been in staffing for a long time. 
uh, software for a long time, but traditional stack, full stack development. And one of my clients, Exxon, uh, had said, hey, you know, we've got IBM and Accenture coming to us asking us about Bitcoin. What, what, why are they, what are they talking about? And I'm like, I don't think these guys are talking to you about Bitcoin. So a quick conversation with them <laughs> was, no, we're trying to tell them about blockchain technology. They keep thinking <laughs> blockchain is Bitcoin, which I thought was funny. So we did a subject matter expert for them. We had like a half day um, kind of meeting for them to just dig into all the use cases and stuff like that. And then they got super, super excited about um, blockchain, ended up doing a, a number of engagements, but they weren't at a point where like, hey, I need outside help, right? Like I need to hire people from you. I need a software team from you. They're like, well, we're working with IBM. We're working with these guys. And I kind of went across to all my, my enterprise clients. I was working with uh, Intel, Xerox, and it was all kind of the same thing. They were looking into blockchain. Some of them still thought it was Bitcoin. And so for me to, <laughs> to really, I know it's crazy. For me to get into it, Mike, the first time we've heard startups. No, it, it, and even today, you still find people that work in Web2 that associate Bitcoin and blockchain that kind of think, you know, but obviously much more educated now than then in 2016. So um, got involved with startups, you know, ICOs started kicking really hard there in 2017. And, you know, I remember the first company said, can you do an ICO? And I'm like, what the hell is an ICO? And then next thing you know, two months later, like we're ICO experts because we've launched a couple and we have a platform. <laughs> So we built a platform so people could have a secure yeah. way of doing it. Um, and oh, cool. kind of my journey through Web3 has been a lot of fun working with a lot of startups and, and enterprise companies as well. Um, founded uh, Future Tech uh, in 2020, mm -hmm. no, actually 2019. Uh, we're almost coming up on three years. And I, I wanted to partner with a company that had a great team that could do larger projects. Um, and so uh, I did a joint venture with Acubits, um, who at the time had about 300 engineers. Now they have well over 500. Um, I was impressed with the work that they were doing on the Dubai Smart Cities project, which they're still the prime on mm. today. So, you know, I've done- Can you talk a little bit about that? Just yeah. so people understand the scale that you're talking about, because this is large scale projects. Absolutely. This is at, this is at a government level, uh, the Emirate of Dubai. <clears throat> made a commitment that they wanted all the government systems to be interconnected through your ID and that through your pass, through your one pass, that you could have access to everything, healthcare, um, you name it, your, your, um, your deeds and land registry on blockchain. So they wanted all their government systems to be blockchain-based. So um, there's been a land registry project that was built on blockchain. Uh, there was an electronic health record system that was built. So over the last four years, there's been you know project after project. Every time they're coming and saying, okay, well, we want to do this. We want to do that. Um, <clears throat> we've been the prime on that, which has been a lot of fun. Barcelona Smart Cities Project's been another one that... Uh, that let's let's just jump for that. Let me just bring you back there because yeah. that's huge. And I don't want to jump over it. What? Uh, so you've been at the forefront over at uh, the UAE on this. What about it? about the UAE governance, uh, the, the, the royals, right? How did they know so far ahead of all of these other governments that this is the future and that what the benefits are? What, what, what is it that they know that other governments don't know? And then this is going to inform the people of what the benefit would be of these uh, large-scale projects. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, 
when you want to tie in all your government agencies, um, databases are not immutable, right? So if you have an Oracle database, a DBA, database administrator, can go in there and can structure that data, can change that data. They can do whatever they want. Like they can literally, if if let's say your ex existence, Mike, was on a database in the government and a, a proper DBA got access to it, he could literally make it to where you don't exist anymore. Where blockchain Adios. is immutable. I know, crazy, right? Blockchain is immutable. So you could go in and you could, you could X out Mike but you could see the fact that you existed previously because it's a chain of records. Right, right, right. You can make changes on a blockchain, but you can see where the changes were made, who made them and when they were made. So unlike a database where if you could get rid of all the backups, you know, all the Iron Mountain, all that good stuff, um, you can make it to where no nothing ever existed. So having that kind of trust, having that kind of ability to, um, you know, transfer data amongst agencies makes it to where you can do things in an automated fashion. So instead of me saying, okay, land registry, how do I know Mike owns this property here? What proof do we have? Well, right, title ownership. The blockchain, it's all there and it's been verified. Now everyone can agree that this is this mm -hmm. is true. This isn't something that I right, can right. test later. So think about the, the efficiency that you get and the ability to, to transact and do things when you have trusted data that you can trust. Um, let's I'll talk about that for just one second, right? Sure. But because you're saying efficiency or efficacy and this, yeah. this uh, productivity. So we're talking about major cost uh, ex expenditure cuts, right? Because there's not all this redundancy, right? Okay, now we're also talking about a potential web two friendly interface with the mm -hmm. public, if they're going to put up title ownership. And I know that they've streamlined incorporating companies to transfer into right. shares in UAE, which is making it so bullish, right? To, yeah. to get involved because it's so simple. Right. Um, so what other benefits would be accruing to the government and by virtue of that, the people, so we talked about title ownership and maintaining your right. personhood by virtue of the database, mm -hmm. the open ledger system, immutable. Right. What, what else? Let's really hit on this so that the people understand the value that they will get. And also just some specifics other than cost savings. So that, not, that may not, might not be the most bullish region for the government's intended for it. Maybe it's something else. What do you think that is? Well, you know, it's funny thing is because when we start talking about governments and, you know, we're in the U.S., right? So we always hear about bridges to nowhere and, and government waste and spending. And there was that whole scandal like where the IRS, like the, the division of the government that's supposed to like take our taxes and then spend it wisely goes to Las Vegas and does this whole film thing where like they're doing like a Star Trek reenactment and they spend like $10 million to go do like a thing and they only get caught because the videos get leaked right so <laughs> you can imagine that you're spending now right you have digital dollars so let's say we have a digital dollar or you're using like a usdc or usdt which are stable coins which are basically digital dollars cryptocurrency love usdc oh yeah, yeah sure yeah so circle's a partner of ours so now oh, yeah. i can see from a government level the money that's spent where it went to so you can really have a much higher level of auditing and control and transparency into what the government's spending if it's on a blockchain versus, well, here you go. Here's all of our accounting records, right? Here's everything in FICO and, and, and you know, here's our, our accounting module from SAP. Have fun forensic accounting it, right? I mean, it could take years. So let me give you just a really quick example. And 
in the enterprise space in natural gas trading, mm. natural gas can trade thousands of times in a pipe. And if you buy that mic and you're expecting delivery of it and the gas doesn't get delivered to you, it's called a cut, right? So the problem is, is again, these contracts are traded amongst so many different companies, no one trusts each other. So they want to see, they don't want to see database entries, they want to see contracts. So when there was a proposal to say, let's build a blockchain software that connects directly to the exchange and dumps all these trades directly into an immutable ledger, it was a distributed ledger technology, and then that is trusted data that everyone can, can agree upon, we will use that to reconcile contracts. So we took a process that went you know, 30 to 60 days, sometimes 90 days to audit to 30 to 60 seconds. What is the efficiency? What is the saving? So you can see, again, I'm, I'm trying to hit on this point, the trust of the data. Where did it come? If it goes from machine to machine, there's not a human that's touched it. Everyone can test that data. So really, yeah. in my mind, this is where the big use case for blockchain is, right? How can I trust that you own this land? Because it's been verified. It's been certified. It's all sitting here in a blockchain. It wasn't sitting in some drawer somewhere. You know, just to being able to trust that and that fact that that can live into the next person I sell it to. It gets recorded. The next person it gets sold. You know, you don't have these issues of, well, we lost the deed or we, how do I know you didn't own it? or you know, there's a lean on exactly. it. Trusted data is yeah. really the, 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 to me, the holy grail of, of distributed letter blockchain technology because it allows all of us to operate in a fashion that we can't operate today in web two because nobody trusts anybody else's data. Okay, precisely. And, and let's just, maybe we can exchange positive points and people understand how that really affects them. So sure. given your uh, example on the pipeline and training of gas, Mm -hmm. So that so effectively, you, it, upon dispute, right? There's a dispute resolution. There's legal costs associated with that. There's time, three, two to three months or more, as you said. And so these companies would have to have in reserve enough cash to be able to float that difference or factor every single time they go into a bid, right? And there's always, you know, margin added, uh, uh, mm -hmm. re reducing your total margin because of the cost of the factoring. Yep. So it's like now you're actually creating because of this efficiency. Because we'll say that, but because of how that affects the market is now you're looking at SMEs entering into maybe where mid-sized companies, mm -hmm. they, they, they held it down or mid-sized companies entering into the big boys are going down. So now you're encouraging competition and now maybe you're driving down costs mm -hmm. for everybody. Well, you're also finding the bad actors, Mike. So, you know, uh, yes, please go on that. There's a lot of, you know, when it takes you upwards of 90 days to figure out who cuts you, and again, you were floating, so you didn't get your money for the contract. You paid for it. You didn't get it. So you're you're floating that money. Now you're owed. You're fine. Now you're owed the money for that, right? So you went from having to potentially hold that and, and carry that cost for 90 days to 90 seconds and say, Mike, you cut me. You either pay freaking up right now or I'm suing you. And then, hey, Mike, it's been three months. You've cut me four times. You cut me again. You're done. You can never trade natural gas on our, in, our, in our platform again. That was some of the, yeah. the things that we were hearing was like, we were starting to identify who were the bad actors, who were the ones that were basically living off the float, right? Like they, they trade this gas, they make yeah, money yeah. off of it. And then, you know, two to three months later, they go, okay, yeah, I'll pay my fine. No problem. Here you go. Sorry about that. But they really didn't have the money in the, in the first place to really to do that. So they just were using other people's money in a bad way. So just 
again, a very cool use case. I mean, Chevron uses that, this technology now. Exxon, BP, I think almost all the major oil and gas companies now trade using a blockchain-based uh, natural gas because the benefits were so substantial. Like, why would we do it? And it's kind of like, who sends faxes? I'll send you an email, yeah, Mike. You'd be like, what do you mean you want to send me a fax? I don't have a fax machine. I remember a time when I had 30 fax machines in my recruiting company. Like, we were faxing resumes to people like, oh, you want a, you want a developer? Here you go. Nobody sends faxes anymore. Yeah. So it's just over always time. Always ask people to fax you. Always ask, always ask people to fax you whenever you don't want to hear from them. It is magnifique. It is beautiful. It works yeah. every time. I'll never hear from well, them again. That's why insurance companies still yeah. want you to fax some stuff because they don't want to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard that's a thing. So I just want to be clear to everyone listening that mm -hmm. because of Daniel and his company, this technology they deployed in just using this use uh, case example of gas trading, he was able to flush out his, his deployment of his technology, his innovation, was able to flush out the bad actors. Over time, what that means is that we have a higher integrity uh, group of actors, let's say, and it creates efficiencies that would allow for other companies to enter in that would not have been able to otherwise, let's just say in this example, float or take the risk of that 60 to 90 days of collection and you know, working with the banks or what have you. So that's an amazing use case. The thing is, it goes, your technology and what you've done, it goes so far beyond that, but we only have so much time. And I want to focus specifically in mm -hmm. on one area that's near and dear to our uh, brother uh, company, System, uh, uh, Foundation, Citizen Warrior Foundation. So okay. one of the reasons of its inception was in, in my former life, I ran a life science company and okay. I've worked a lot with people at the Hill and what they would tell me is, I mean, just just being blatant about it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it, it bothered them deeply and for real, it really bothered me. They weren't like, aha, we're taking advantage of it, but like, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, was they were saying, uh, we went to them for actually to 35 cents in every dollar before the margin to the NGO. It's called 15 points or like 50 cents, cents uh, or dollar cent would be 50 cents to received by the intended recipient. Mm -hmm. And we're like, they're actually they're like 25 cents before margin. Anyway. Wow. It's even worse, dude. It's even worse. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's amazing so, to yeah. me. All that money that's supposed to go do good things just gets lost and all of the minutia and all the layers of people and the layers of bureaucracy and the hopefully not um, paying kickbacks and stuff. But I, I hear that that happens a lot too, where, you know, you got to pay me so much to get this and get that. And, you know, that's terrible. Happens, happens mostly on the recipient end. And gotcha. sometimes it's a barrier to entry just to make it viable. But I want to take those cases aside and just mm -hmm. say that the government doesn't want that. Like they're not like for that. That's 1% of US GDP. For mm -hmm. disaster relief economic development. So uh, you and I have talked in the past, I've been talking with other foundations in the past. We want to mitigate, use emergent tech. What you do, what you've already done. What you've already, right. It's not like you have to create something completely novel. Maybe the tech stack might be oriented uh, differently. But what mm -hmm. you've already deployed and you can already show the efficacy of, to simply introduce it to the head of procurement, let's say, or, or some of the departmental people on the committee, which is private sector and public sector. It's, it's a joint commission because they want the best. Uh, how right. this can impact, let's say, cleanup after the fog of war ends in Ukraine or oh, yeah. economic development or foreign disaster. Can you walk us through potentially what a tech stack would look like on three fronts? Foreign mm -hmm. disaster relief, which is more immediate. Right. Refugee, individual, and right. then... Uh, economic development long-term. Okay, so so I don't think anybody is gonna dispute the fact that when billions, potentially trillions of dollars get get 
funneled into a relief area, right? That not all that money is spent the way it's supposed to be spent, right? Like <clears throat> there's really no way to, to accurately track like, the U.S. sent you $5 billion. Could you please account for how $5 billion was spent? It's just too much paperwork. There's too much auditing. It would cost so much to even just try to follow up on those things. They just kind of go, well, we hope it went to good cases. So the great thing, as you know, about you know blockchain technology, and, and let's just talk, we talked a little bit about USDC, which is a stable coin. It's a, it's a digital dollar, right? Yeah. So if, if you use that, and basically set up a system that said, okay, the money that comes in from, from a governmental agency, so let's say $5 billion comes in. If we, that sits in an escrow account, and as it's deployed, it's converted into USDC, because we can't program paper money, right? It needs to be digital. It needs to be ones and zeros. We can now then track in a software the money came out of this account, right? So X amount of $20 million came out of this account and it's supposed to go to this construction company. So having a platform to where that construction company would have a wallet on there um, through smart contracts. I don't want to get too deep into the tech side of things, but where me as a contractor, would know, I see the $20 million there. It's programmed for me as long as I hit my delivery. So in my, my statement- Ah, excuse me, hit your deliverable. Explain to the people what that, what that means. So KPIs- in KPIs, key performance indicators. Yeah. Yeah, please, go ahead, please. So the contract would state that you are rebuilding an apartment building, right? Once you've built out the frame of the apartment building and you've hit this level of, of to use your word, efficacy of, of this, then X amount of the $20 is going to be released, let's say $2 million. And so as you keep hitting your milestones, the money will dole out. So you know the money's there as the construction company. You might even get some of that up front. You might have a $20 million contract, you might get five or 10 million, who knows? But you're not getting the rest until you've hit your KPIs and your, your um, all your milestones. As long as you had an ethical person or a way to basically go in and report that these things were done properly, there's no way for that construction company to get paid without that. So that's kind of where the oversight could be to say, okay, somebody's looking for an approval on $5 million. Send me the pictures, show me the stuff, show me that this thing says, this thing needs to have walls and plumbing and electricity. Okay, it does, great, boom, done. They got their money. That to me would solve a big problem because if, one of these contractors said, well, hey, you know, I'm not going to do this work unless you pay me personally a million dollars. We could say, how do I give you a million dollars if it's sitting on an immutable ledger? I mean, it's going to be a giant spotlight. It's going to show a million dollars went to you. How do I pay you that million dollars? So the ability to just stop corruption in its tracks to say, if there's a giant spotlight in a warehouse and there's a camera in the warehouse, how can somebody come up and steal what's in that warehouse when it's lit and there's a camera and it's got facial recognition with the database and everyone- And there's been studies on this. And we know yeah. this to be true. There's been studies yeah. on this, right? I mean, they've yeah. had faulty cameras up in front of a give and take, put your money in. And we know yeah. how hu human behavior is human behavior on a low scale, a large scale, human behavior yeah. is human behavior. So we so know- let, so Yeah, we, let's so not waste millions of dollars in corruption, right, Mike? You know, that system alone should Brilliant. really 
curb, if not totally kill any potential corruption of things, because again, it's, it's immutable. Now, on the flip side, in the in in the non-governmental space, I've seen to where blockchain is not a good thing because I talked with an oil and gas company that said, you realize that if I'm going to drill oil in Africa, I got to pay off like like the local lord and I got to do this. And I got to the people like, that I was talking about. I need five million dollars yeah. on the side that I can pay out in cash or someone's going to blow up. So sometimes yeah, 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 mutability yeah. and transparency is not good, but in this, this is our taxpayer mm. dollars. We want this money to go to Ukraine. We want the hospitals. We want the schools. We want all that to be built. So the refugee, yeah. right? So Please. I had a home. The I, was in a, I was in an apartment. I lived in Kiev, and I got evacuated mm. because I'm, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. it was getting bombed. And when I yeah. come back, there is no apartment building. All my ID, my birth certificate, everything's there. Maybe the hospital or the administrative building that holds, as from a government level, all of that was destroyed. So let's just say the situation to where I can't go to a government and get my birth certificate. I don't have my birth certificate. I don't have my ID. I'm literally not a person anymore because this war has ravaged my country. How do we identify who you are? How do we get you aid? So again, if, yes. if, if we can take your information, we can put you into a financial, uh, you know, an aid system to where, again, you have a wallet, money's transferred to you. And then as part of the process, using that as your new identity to where, as we kind of can figure out and prove you are this person, you are Mike, you are Dan, you know, and start building that. But more importantly, making it to where only one individual, no matter who they claim to be, can get the benefits versus here's a bunch of money that's getting doled out. And these people, you know, this, did this person get money twice? This person not getting money at all. So without going too deep in the technical side, again, having a blockchain-based technology that allows the disbursement of funds to allow refugees and people to get that, and then setting up a system that basically can rebuild their identities. Would, would yes, be- exactly. That's the key. That's the rebuilding. That's what I wanted yeah. to get to after you just, right. Please go, yeah, a little bit on just a few minutes on that, if you can, please. The rebuilding from scratch of a system that would be sound, that would allow for like kind of what you did for smart cities, right? Something like that. Yeah. What the UAE is already embraced, right? Yeah, and, and, and again, we, we, have some, we have some outlier things because if you can bring me your birth certificate and you can bring me your ID, then we, we can actually capture that data. We can put that into the blockchain and now that's the proof and, and we can certify like, this is Daniel Sloan, we have certified. If you don't have that information, then there might be a way through your biometrics or something. Like it's all gonna depend mm-hmm. upon, is there a government system that has that data that we can go back and say, you know, hey, this is Daniel Sloan. These are the, the here's his thumbprints, here's his fingerprints. Yes, this is him. Well, great. You don't need my birth certificate anymore. You don't need my ID. We've identified me through my biometrics. And now that can live there in an immutable place that everyone can say, hey, I don't have these things anymore. They were freaking destroyed. The Russians destroyed my my ID, my life. So that's there's a lot of other ways to do that. That uh, is is a lot of mental uh, thinking, but just at a high level. And then your third thing was. Foreign disaster relief. So before all the subcontracting of economic development, just immediate economic development responding yeah. to the needs. Kind of the same thing as making sure that the money's dispersed properly and goes to where it needs to go. The same way is if we're going to fund a program to train people, 
on how to be welders. We're going to train people how to like be construction workers because through the rebuild, there might not be enough people there that are trained. So through economic development, they might fund training programs. Well, I need to know where that money's going. I need to know and get certified that these people got trained. So again, having the ability to track all these things, where the money goes, track the training, track the results of that, and then being able to, again, if I have my ID, right, and I have my identity, and we can report to my identity the results of my economic development. Like I received training as a welder. I went out and got a job as a welder. And now I'm working and I'm making money. And we could literally show what the taxes this person's paying. So we spent money to train Mike. He's a welder now. It cost us $30,000 to get him where he's at today. Over the next three years, we can track like he's paid X amount in taxes. He's got a living. He's got his own home now. You, you know what I mean? If you think about it, you're now a productive member of society because of the $30,000 I invested in you or in whatever the economic program is. We went ahead and cleared out all the land so we could plant this wheat because they're like the breadbasket for that part of the world, right? And we went ahead and we made sure and, and we did all kinds of things. We brought in fertilizer, we brought all these things and now we can track what is what are the crops we're getting from this? And who's benefiting from it? So again, just the ability to kind of where the money goes, what it, what is the results of that money and being able to give people, because data is the new oil. So if you can capture yes. that data, you know, the, the problem is, is usually money spent and it's a bit of a black hole. Like you don't really know, like, okay, did someone get fed? Did someone get housed? Did someone get trained? So again, th this, this kind of software tracking allows you because everybody has a phone for the most part i mean you go to africa there's people got three phones they don't even have a house they got three phones it's incredible <laughs> incredible yeah, 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 yeah. which, which so, is a great reality for deploying some kind of these technologies by yeah, the way i yeah, have an, an opt-in an opt-in yeah. i now have my phone i can now go to a place swipe my id you are daniel sloan yes you have ten thousand dollars there you can get this 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 and this you can get clothing you can get housing i mean and you can track all of that. Now that data comes back to UNICEF or USAID or whoever, and they can now look and say, wow, we put $5 billion into this. Look at all the benefits that we got. Ooh, look at this. You know, you can now start That's running it. this through very complex uh, artificial intelligence um, analytics to, to look at the correlation to say, what impact did that money have? What, what's the overall economic impact? Like you can go and run models that says the $30,000 that we spent to train Mike as a welder based upon his current trajectory, what he's doing, the money he's putting into the economy of being a citizen, having money, spending it, and all the taxes he's paying, this 30,000 is gonna have a $3 million, $5 million, whatever effect over 10 years. That's not a bad ROI. I put 30 into you. Not a bad ROI. As a country. <laughs> To get three or five, because you think about it, you're spending money, your yeah, you rent, food, you know, you might be starting your own business. I think about it, starting small businesses. Okay, let's take some of this USAID and we need lots of construction companies. We need lots of cleanup companies. You say, I want to start my own cleanup company. I don't have the chainsaws. I don't have the jackhammers. So, okay, great. We're going to provide all this stuff to you. But we want some of that money back when you when you start making contracts. We could track all of that. Yeah. 
So we loaned you, we gave you a hundred grand and we loaned you 300 grand and we want that money back. If you're being paid through the government contracts, that's easy. You agreed that on this date, you're going to repay 25K. Out of the 100K you're getting paid, here's the 25 back. You see how that's not, I'm not coming back to you later saying, hey, I gave you all this money. You need to pay me back. I don't have any money. I spent it. Just like our taxes are this taking This is what's happening now. This is what's yeah. going to happen now. Right. This is, this is the world that we live in while we feel like we're not being charitable despite all the goodwill that we are sending yeah. overseas, right? Despite all the good programs or the intended good programs that we have, what you're saying is essentially with AI and the system in place, we can A-B test different programs to mitigate human Absolutely. suffering through emergent tech. Yeah, simple as that. And it can be done with your existing technology now if we want it. Well, a lot of the tech that we build for, for companies is their IP, it's their tech, right? So, um, we could go and say, hey, can we license your tech and use it? Um, but, you know, it would be up to that government or that enterprise or that company. But as with anything, once you've built something once, you can build it again quite rapidly. And there's probably some bespoke elements to this that we would do for like a USAID or whoever. So what we would probably mm -hmm. do is go through the process of just gathering all the requirements. What are all the things? There's going to be things that I'm not going to think about. You're not going to think about that the Ukrainian government's going to think about, that USAID's going to think about. And it's really just about what are the business level problems, business level objectives we want to achieve, what are problems are we solving, and then translating that to software and making it an easy way for people to use. Like it's an app on the phone and there's people- well, It has to be easy, consumer friendly. Um, but if everyone can agree, if France can agree, if Germany can agree, if all the countries that want to give money to Ukraine say, hell yeah, we'll put money into this, these bank accounts, that money will get translated into a USDC. They might even want to create their own stable coin. They might say we want the freaking Ukraine coin, right? Like you don't, you or, 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 the, or the U.S. can lead, or USA can accept the pilot, and they're taking a risk then, right? And yeah. then okay, now they're proving efficacy comparatively, and now yeah. the U.S. can lead in proper philanthropy, proper foreign aid, proper foreign economic mm -hmm. development. Where we're not making these countries beholden on us through, let's say, Bretton Woods, right? Beholden on us, like so that we're taking control, but that we're saying, okay, we want an ROI. But this is the way we're going to go about to do it. And more than that, and I think the most important part, and this mm -hmm. is what USAID wants to hear because it weighs mm -hmm. on them. I, mean, I know some of the guys over there is that they feel we need to give the people, our people, our citizenry in the U.S. We're speaking from a U.S. centric standpoint, but we have global intent of, of reducing meaningful suffering through emerging tech that given your scale of work, you've already done large scale work right? Yeah. with databases and working. Okay, mm -hmm. Fantastic. We have partners who have, mm -hmm. have IP, right? That is, yeah. that is ready to address specifics. Uh, awesome. And we have people in, in US, the specific, like really down to detail. And then we have uh, people in, in USA that are, that are looking for solutions and no yeah. one is bringing it to them. So I'm, well, we, we're, we're, we're cutting edge we, stuff. It, Think about it, Mike. I mean, really. It is cutting edge, right? But people we are so far behind the ball that unless they hear about it, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. People we were don't know. Earlier about people Bitcoin don't know. Watching, right? People exactly. think That's what they're thinking. So we're finally getting to a point where people are like, holy cow, this is an amazing tech. When you marry artificial intelligence in with an immutable ledger, you know, a blockchain, you have a very powerful combo. And what do you need when you're spending money? You need trust, right? And not just I trust Mike or I trust USA or trust whatever, but I can look in the ledger and see where the money was spent. Like there's it's truthful. I don't have to take your truthful. word. It's, it's been right truthful. freaking there. Yeah. Where, where exactly. the trust is going to come in is the people that are going to be the ones administering this saying, yes, these KPIs were, were met. 
please pay. That's the only flaw in the system. If the people that are double checking to make sure the contractors do their work, if they if they approve payment for a, a, an apartment building that wasn't built, you can't do anything about that. The money's going to go out. The, the moment it says it's been approved, it's software, right? It doesn't have any emotions. If you say send There's the room money, for error there. There's room for error. There, yeah, there's so, room so for that's error where there, a USA could have oversight, there. right? And that's where you could have agencies that have oversight. Maybe there's two people that need Those to like you're the one that's going to tell me it's done and then I'm going to send people exactly. over there to see it's done. But so much easier to go inspect something that's complete versus, you know, going through a huge paper trail and going back afterwards when the money's already been paid because you have that leverage. The money hasn't been paid. Normally, most of these projects is the recourse is once the work is done, like, oh, okay, well, it wasn't done right. Let's go back and then it's hard to get recourse. So. The, the money's spent already. I mean, is there any money's done? gone, it's dude. Done. Let's, let's no one wants to pay for recourse. Now there's a soccer field. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So, so it's just the one thing that I wanted to end on, and this is uh, we'll mm -hmm. sort of wrap it up here. But um, mm -hmm. this is the beginning of a story. This is not an introduction of a story that has a dead sure. end. And so, what we want to do is a capture the public so that they understand what our capabilities are today. Also, yeah. with, with our government, there is there is unprecedented distrust, and they don't want that, and we don't want that. No. We want us to begin to trust our institution. We have to. We have to trust our institutions Agreed. again, right? And, no, they, and, and they want that trust. <laughs> they want it, too. We both want the same thing. So yeah. let's give them We all do. Well, it pays for itself, yeah. right? The, the, it pays for itself. Oh, my God. The efficiencies of it. It's yeah. not like it costs money. It, the money that it will save throughout the system, the millions and millions of dollars, the ROI will be huge. And, you know, I think what I'm excited about what, what you guys have is you already have a number of partners that have IP and things. So on bigger projects, typically what it is, it's not one company, it's not a future tech or an activist delivering it. It's five or six companies all coming together, one team and bringing their pieces of the puzzle. And and that's how big government and enterprise projects are, are, are put together. There is not one single point of failure. You always have five or six companies. You'll have a KPMG, you'll have an ENY, you'll have an IBM all working on a project. Why? They all could individually do it, but you got to spread that 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 load, and everyone's going to have their own task. I think that's how you would do that. Is we could come in and, and help spearhead this, but we would be a consortium of companies, four, five, six, maybe even seven yes. companies that would all come in, collaborate, contribute because it's a massive undertaking. Like you said, there's kind of three things. There's building out the software that would distribute the aid, that would be like building the identities and dispersing it to the individuals and then tracking economic development. Those are three massive undertakings, but it's doable, Mike. That's the exciting thing is this isn't like we want to go to Jupiter someday, we're going to build a rocket. Like we can get there today. We've landed men on the moon. Oh my God. People in space. Oh, sure. We can do this. Um, this isn't this isn't future scope stuff. I mean, if somebody was serious about it, this this could be scoped out and be built within you know you can start within a month <laughs> like literally uh, yeah no, absolutely and 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 then when when my team brought uh you and your past and what you've been working on recently to my attention that's what got me so excited because we had already these partnerships in place i'm like all right he's already done the smart city thing he's familiar he has these capabilities and we were just thrilled so what's going to happen i'm just going to speak to the audience for a moment is that like we wanted to introduce the, the purpose of this warrior cast specifically was unique is that we wanted to introduce who we consider to be a high integrity um industry leader 
in large-scale application because he's knowledgeable about the affect of large-scale application of these emerging technologies, which which we think we need more of. And, and we also need to highlight the ones who are doing it the right way with the right intent so that we encourage maybe bad actors to step down and other people to step up or to have people who are aspiring to say, okay, this gentleman joined the core. He understood what sacrifice was, what grind was, right? And then he moved into this and he took this sacrifice, sacrifice, and then he worked his way up. And then this is how we started building smart cities. I mean, for goodness sakes, right? And now here we are on the cusp and the ethos of blockchain, decentralization, transparency, democratization, is that as a community, we share this. And so with working with, with Dan, with, with Dan, I mean, and we're so grateful to have, you know, met you, Daniel, and we're going to be speaking to the public with our partners together, one-on-one. What an, what an amazing months. thing to do for humanity, right? Like there's a major war, people's lives are turned upside down, they're devastated. To actually look at, this is a new way of doing this. Like this has never been done before. Like any kind of like rabbit, you know, whether it's natural disaster or whether it's been war ravaged, it's been this old way of just piling a dump of money on top of their head and say, please spend it properly. I mean, how cool would it be to actually build, do this and show this? And this could be potentially the, the way it's done from that point on, like, like the fax machine thing, who sends faxes anymore, right? If we did this and prove this out in Ukraine, any country that needed this kind of help and needed to do this, this could be the way to do it forever. Or until another way, a better way is invented. <laughs> That's yeah, exciting. And we'd be encouraging even competition. Yeah. It's, it's thrilling to me. And we'd be yeah. incentivizing competition to have that same vision and you know, yeah. may the best group win, right? But but I would like for us to lead the way. Let's do high it. Integrity Absolutely. All right. It's, well, it's a worthy cause. Yeah, well, it's something we, we can do. And yeah. let's do it, Mike. Absolutely. Well, we're super excited, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us at WarriorCast. We're going to have you back on soon with the partner, perhaps, so we can explain more do it. Uh, to the public and, and, and to USAID, who I think will be welcome to hear. Great. Looking forward to it, Mike. All right, my man. Great to have you on. We'll speak to you, you too. soon. Bye-bye. Cheers.